Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I said on Saturday (laughs) during the game that uh, when Georgia's beating LSU, that this is the most nervous I've ever been in a game that Georgia was winning by 20 points in the fourth quarter. And there was just some sort of thing that kind of got a little bit weird there in the second half of the game against the Tigers. Georgia never really was threatened, and the game was never really all that close. But it just sort of felt like there was a lot going on, and LSU was having some success against Georgia defensively in a way in which we're not really kind of used to seeing. And I think as you start looking ahead to the game against Ohio State, there are a lot of reasons to like Georgia's chances of winning it. We're going to talk more about some of this coming up in just a moment but if you want to zero in on the biggest concern for Georgia ahead of the game I think you do think about uh, what was going on with the Georgia defense there and how do you fix that in time for the college football playoff against Ohio State and then whatever comes after that in the national championship showdown is where go for two and 22 and by the way I am wearing my generation two go for two 22 t-shirt the one that says on our way to LA that's where we believe we're heading and we don't think Ohio State's going to do anything to stop it but obviously Georgia's going to have to play better defense than it did probably against LSU it's a great day in SEC championship you don't really nitpick uh, that too much and in fact if you want to nitpick the wins that's fine but you can't say anything about the losses because for Georgia there simply aren't any so we understand all of that and yet you also want to see even figure out what that was all about uh the stuff as it relates to georgia defense kirby smart went on espn on sunday and uh, he was talking about you know some of what he'd seen there and he admitted hey that that defensive performance uh that's not you know not what it needs to be this is what kirby said on tv on sunday we've played really good complimentary football uh, but we can't play the defense we played last night uh, and expect to be any kind of champions, semifinal or national championship. So we got some work to do, and uh, our guys will. I know they'll be excited to get back to work. Yeah, Kirby at one point in time, even on, on the subject of getting back to work, said, "Hey, when you think about some of the mistackling things like that at Georgia, that's just simply not going to be tolerated. It's not going to be tolerated." It's what he said. So clearly, they're focused about spending this next month doing what needs to be done to get ready for that. Not because they're playing big, bad, mighty Ohio State that some people just think is the greatest team of all time. Uh, but just because, hey, you just want to be a sharper football team than what you appeared to be once you got the big lead here. And there is a big difference between how LSU was moving the football prior to Georgia being up 35-7 to and kind of what Georgia maybe had slipped into once they had the, the big lead. So there's maybe a little bit of a difference there. But nonetheless, there's clearly some stuff to work on. However, also in that post-game press conference on Saturday, Kirby also kind of gave you – maybe another perspective on this that in a roundabout way maybe some of it wasn't quite as bad as it seemed this was Kirby once again on the subject of the defense this time though from Saturday night we didn't play real good defense tonight but there were some opportunities that that they didn't just make plays we just didn't make plays you know Malachi had a couple tough plays that he he makes those plays every day in practice and I would bet money Oh, Malachi played a half safety a thousand times. He misjudged the ball, and the kid is crushed for it. But you know what? He's going to be a better football player for having experienced it. And we, we gave up some plays that, that we probably shouldn't have. But you give them credit for that, and we got to continue to grow. But I thought the play of the game was DeMarcus Rosemey screen. It's third and five, backed up, third and six, backed up. And Stets hits him on a screen, and Marcus sticks it in there. Two great blocks, 
And from that drive, that was the drive you're referencing. Without that conversion, we're punting the ball back to him. I Great call by Monk, too. Sorry, Kirby. Pardon me. Uh, I included that last little bit about Marcus Roseby Jackson because it kind of ties back into what Kirby said at the beginning of the first clip, which is this has been a complimentary football team. And on that day, Saturday, when Georgia needed a little extra boost in the offense, when things started to not quite go so well for the defense, they did get it. You got the third down conversion, then you march down the field and score. This is coming right after Georgia got in that fourth down stop, and then you kind of march down the field after that, and you kind of change the the complexion of the game because of the Rosemary Jackson conversion, but also everything else that came offensively after that and Kirby kind of talks about some of the stuff related to Malachi Starks probably the bigger issue that Georgia fans have questions about right now is what was going on with Keely Ringo and it's fair to ask I mean I think look Ringo is one of those guys that I think before this season is done you're going to be really really glad you got him I think you were certainly glad you had him last in the national championship game I believe at some point in time this college football playoff that's going to be true again but there's no sugarcoating this Ringo did not have a good game on Saturday and so maybe some of that is about Keeley kind of going back to the drawing board here and getting back into the lab again and sort of figuring out what he needs to do individually. But I think some of this is also a little bit of a reminder about the fact that, hey, when you're asking your defensive backs to do a lot and they're continually being exposed, we've seen now Georgia Tech and LSU both sort of felt comfortable attacking Ringo with the passing game. To me, that's all the more reason you've got to conjure up as much pass rush as you can possibly get. And i got to tell you, watching the game on Saturday ultimately I don't make that big of a deal about what happened defensively frankly it sort of looked like the same 50 to 30 games that the rest of these teams are always playing the Alabamas the Ohio States all these teams have kind of fallen in love with scoring and as they do they seem to give up more points Georgia on Saturday to me just sort of looked like everybody else in college football for a change which I gotta tell you I don't know that I liked that I think a lot of you <laughs> you'd have been wanting to see the offense score 50 but you also kind of saw what comes with it sometimes when the offense does score 50 which you have a tired defense it starts giving up a a little bit more than maybe they're kind of accustomed to maybe that's true maybe it's not it's just sort of the feeling that I had but the the other thing that I think kind of came to mind for me is do y'all remember back in the summer when David Pollock was on our show and David in assessing the Georgia defense for this season and comparing it to the one that won a national championship in 2021 David kind of gave us a little bit of a warning and for most of this year when I think back on what David said back here on Dog Nation Daily and he said it here on the show for the most part I kind of thought well I guess David's thing kind of didn't turn out to be true you know you know David probably underestimated what this Georgia defense was able to do this season and yet when you saw the game on Saturday maybe for the first time all year or for the first extended time all year, it sort of, for me, a little bit felt like the defense that David had kind of warned us about. I don't know that we've seen that for the previous 12 games, but for a good window there, we sort of saw it on Saturday. So let me remind you of David Pollock from the summer and tell me if you think what David said we might see for the full season wasn't at least present in that game on Saturday night. This was David Pollock from Dog Nation Daily back uh, this past summer. This defense is going to be at least 10 points a game worse than it was a year ago. Okay. That sounds horrible, Brandon. That sounds terrible. They'll still be in the top 30 in scoring defenses in the country. Like they're still going to be really yeah. good, but you're, but you're going from historic good, historic great. Five guys drafted in the first round. That doesn't even count in the Kobe Dean. So, I mean, you're just, you're just talking about, you're going from super special to something that's going to be different, but, Who's your leading stack guy? You got Beal back. You got Nolan Smith, who I think is your heartbeat. The best defensive player on that in the, on that on the team is Jalen Carter to me. So 
he's coming back next year. So you've got a, a lot of pieces to be very successful. Yes, they're going to have to be aggressive. Yes, um, you're going to have to continue to get the quarterback. And that's something that that group, I think, did prove they could do really, really well at a high level, which, which sets you apart from many defenses of Georgia's defensive past. But, um, again, they're going to take a significant step back, but they're still going to be really solid. So on Saturday night, I couldn't help but think back to what Pollock had said on our show because, you know, while the overall statistical profile for this defense this year has been really strong and probably at least in keeping with what they did a year ago, if certainly not as dominant, on Saturday it sort of felt like the defense we saw is the one that David was telling us about right there. We were reminded, boy, this really isn't 2021. And yet even in the midst of what David says there, I think you see the path forward for this defense throughout the rest of this playoff. David says at the end, you got to be aggressive. You got to get after quarterbacks. Y'all, what was the best defensive game this team's played all year long? I think it was obviously Tennessee there uh, to start the month of November. What did Georgia do that day with relentless abandon, with reckless, absolute destruction? They got after Hendon Hooker. They brought him down to the ground over and over and over again. This really hasn't been a dominant pass rush this season the way that it was in 2021, but it was that day against Tennessee, and it probably needs to be that way against C.J. Stroud. And the other thing is, David, obviously speaking back during the summer, what does he say? Nolan Smith is the heartbeat of this defense. Well, you don't have Nolan Smith anymore, but you do have Jalen Carter back. He's healthier than he's been, and obviously he showed more of that to you on Saturday. And so to me, this is what the invitation is for the remainder of this season with two games left to go. We hope are two games left to go. This is a Georgia defense that gets a chance now to define itself in its own terms. It is not, hey, the remnants of whatever's left over from 2021. No, it's something special and new. Or it gets to show how special it really is, maybe is the better way to say that. That with guys like Christopher Smith, who had a huge game on Saturday, Jalen Carter, who obviously continues to be not just the best player in this defense, but one of the very best players in the entire country. This Georgia defense gets to put their own stamp on the season. You'll remember, they were questioned before the Tennessee game, and they responded remarkably well they're going to be questioned now going into this uh, Ohio State game a bit too and maybe justifiably so given the uh, overall performance against LSU but once again it's a chance for this group to answer that challenge to respond to those critics and I think most of would say we don't put it past Georgia to do just that to go out there and play much better against the Buckeyes for a full game than they did for part of the game against LSU and if that be the case then Georgia really is as my t-shirt says on its way to LA to go for two in 22. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, and we're happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us. 945, normally first and 15. We're not doing that this week because I am pre-recorded. We're normally live, but right now we're also not doing that either. But we'll get back to the normal format again next week, and hopefully we're making good use of your time and what is for us a little bit of a sneak away for a quick Royal Caribbean cruise vacation and being back in the saddle again next week. But we really appreciate our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia for making this all possible. You know, I know that right now our friends at ESOG are loving what they're seeing from Georgia because they are proud partners of UGA. That means they're celebrating as the dogs win the SEC championship and go on to the college football playoff. But oftentimes in your life, you have things that are not causing you to celebrate. Maybe you see a foundation issue. You know what it looks like. You see those cracks in the wall or something down there on the floor of your basement. Well, listen, that's potentially not great news. But the good news is, in the midst of a not-great situation, is that Engineered Solutions of Georgia knows exactly what you need to do. And maybe it's a simple fix. Go to the hardware store and buy a whatever. 
or maybe it's something more substantial. Well, either way, on whatever end of the spectrum you kind of find yourself on here, Engineered Solutions of Georgia can help guide you through it. So my invitation to you is give them a call, 678-ESOG-NOW. That's 678-ESOG-NOW. I am so proud of our relationship with Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We've been together for a long time. Uh, I love what they do because I'm a homeowner. And if you're a homeowner, you understand how important it is to protect the foundation of your home or to protect it from like the water that creeps in. Because let's face it, when it starts raining, and sometimes it does, especially this time of year, it's raining some on Saturday, that that's for some of you kind of a reminder of, oh, I'm about to see some water or some wet spots where I don't want to see it. All the more reason to give engineered solutions a call. So do that right now. 678-ESOG-NOW. That's the number. 678-ESOG-NOW. That'll get you in touch with Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We will get in touch with Connor Riley coming up in just a moment. We'll do a Kroger Fresh Take with him and kind of walk through all of what's going on with Georgia, getting ready for Ohio State, and then also kind of uh, looking back on the SEC Championship a bit too. We'll hear from Connor a couple times this week. And I'll also tell you that our former players that typically join the show, we're giving them a week off. So John Stinchcomb and Jake Fromm and Terrence Edwards, that entire crew, we're just going to give them a week off here right now because we had to kind of pre-record some of this. We'll get back to normal and doing it all the way we normally do again next week. But uh, for now, we're going to kind of uh, keep it where we got it. And by the way, let's go ready to go around the doghouse here right now. Uh, presented today by our friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union. And we're obviously happy to have Georgia's Own with us here on the uh, program here today. And... Before we get to Connor Riley, I want to spend a minute on a question. How confident do you think that Georgia should be going into Ohio State? Is Georgia State the unquestioned best team in the country that cannot be beaten? Some of the gambling odds would have you believe that they are. Georgia is actually a minus money favorite to win, which for those who don't follow gambling means that the gambling public, the odds makers, view Georgia as more likely to win the title than not, even in comparison to the entire field. And yet that same issue kind of came up the other day with an SEC network analyst, Cole Kublik, who we really don't have much of a beef with. We're not anti-Kublik necessarily, but he said a couple of things about Georgia the other day that we thought were probably taking things a little too far. And frankly, we kind of thought were in keeping with some of the nonsense we heard prior to the Georgia game against Tennessee, where a lot of voices kind of came out of the woodworks expressing this large degree of skepticism for a Georgia team that somehow has found a way to go 13-0, win the SEC championship, and none of the games have really been all that competitive, maybe with the exception of the Missouri game. And yet, Georgia has seemed to have no shortage of critics here this year, including Cole Kublik. Now, I'm going to kind of walk you back through some of the stuff that Cole said as a way of giving you what is kind of a funny punchline to all of this. Uh, but first, let's go back to last week. Cole was on a podcast. Uh, is it Zach Gelb is the guy's name. And I'm, I want to give full credit. I'm not trying to be flippant about that. I just don't remember. I believe it's Zach Gelb is the guy's name that Cole Kublik was with. And Cole, at the time, was a little bit maybe unsure how much he believed in Georgia. Here's a reminder from Cole. Take a listen to this. I would go with the field because even though this Georgia rushing attack has been great over the last couple of weeks, I still don't think their offense is one that I would classify as high-powered. Um, I do think that you can dis- if you can physically match up with them up front, it's kind of why I think the SEC championship game is going to be closer than people think. I think LSU's defensive line physically is going to be able to hold up. That front seven will hold up. Uh, Georgia does not just play bully ball out of the gate. Now, they've had a couple of games where they've taken over late, and that rushing game's gotten going with Kenny McIntosh here over the last couple of games, but they're not overly dynamic at wide receiver. Yes, Brock Bowers is a complete mismatch, but there are games that they don't necessarily force-feed him the football in the manner that I think that they should, and I just don't think overall they have as many guys that you just can't handle and can't deal with and can't manage on that defense, specifically at the second level. They don't have the erasers 
that they did a year ago at the second and third level. So it's the same stuff you've heard. Oh, Georgia don't have enough playmakers. They don't have enough this. They don't have enough that. In fact, Kublik actually at the time wasn't done with his concerns for Georgia. And even though that Georgia is actually a favorite against the field, you heard him there say he'd take the field over Georgia. And on this podcast interview the other day, he went into more detail about why that was. Here's Cole again. Now, you got to stay away from Keely Ringo. Just don't throw it his direction. you got to understand how to handle a couple of the guys up front like Jalen Carter but they're not all over the place like they were a season ago. And I think there are a couple of teams that, I mean, some that you've mentioned, I mean, TCU, they're going to spread you out. USC is going to spread you out. You add a quarterback run to that, something you're going to see LSU do this weekend, and you can neutralize a lot of what Georgia has. And I would really be interested to see if a team did find something against them offensively and turned it into a bit of a track meet, how that Georgia offense would then operate. So with the way USC can score, with the way TCU can score, with with Mich- I actually think this year's Michigan team could get into a heavyweight title fight against Georgia and hold up. Last year they couldn't do that. This year I think they can. Would love to see that game. It would be an absolute bloodbath. It would be beautiful football. Uh, and I just think that when you're talking about the teams that are potentially going to be in, there are some real headaches for what Georgia is and how Georgia can be managed this year. So you may remember that. We played them on the show uh, last week, and I got pretty fired up about it. Well. <laughs> Cole was actually at the game on Saturday. It wasn't working. He shared a photo of he and his wife just attending the game as fans, not a fan of either team, but just a fan of the sport, and sitting there watching. And apparently the 60 minutes of football that Cole saw on Saturday has kind of caused him to backtrack a lot of what he just said right there. Let me show you this on the screen, what Cole is now saying. He says, I'd like to return the field for Georgia, please. Thank you. So if you're a Georgia fan and wondering how confident you should be, one of the guys who last week who said, oh, give me the field. If it's Georgia versus the field for the national championship, I'll take the field. I'll take a TCU. I'll take a USC, which is now nowhere to be found. I'll take somebody else. I'll take one of those teams to be Georgia. Well, now after having seen Georgia in person, sitting in the stands, and seeing Georgia hang 50 points, something that Cole said he wasn't quite so sure Georgia could do, all of a sudden now, Cole Kubelik says on Twitter, actually maybe Georgia versus the field is a pretty good bet here for these dogs. So maybe the newfound confidence that Cole Kubelik has in UGA, maybe Georgia fans should have some of that themselves. So kind of a funny a uh, little bit of a look there last week at a guy we kind of had some fun with who was taking some shots at Georgia. Apparently Cole Kubelik no longer feels that way. That is Around the Doghouse. And it's presented today by our friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union. Of course, a lot of you getting ready for a fun December here. It's holiday gifts. It's maybe trying to get to the big game here coming up at the end of this month. And whatever purchases you're making, all of this can be made more enjoyable when you make those purchases using one of those Visa Signature or Platinum cards from our friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union. And the reason why this is such a cool thing is because when you make these purchases with uh, uh, the Visa Signature Platinum card, you can get things like Flex Rewards, which can be used for really just about anything. I'm talking about gift cards or cash back or travel or merchandise. Plus, you can also have a chance to earn up to $150 when you open a new Platinum or Signature card. And there are some restrictions apply, so make sure you check out georgesown.org for more details on that. That is georgesown.org for more details on that. All right, so we have a very busy show. We're continuing our look at some of what's going to happen with the SEC here this postseason. We're obviously following everything with the coaching carousel and stuff like that, so we'll get to that before we are done. But for now, Georgia versus Ohio State, the feeling that UGA fans should have about this game, and more of kind of what has happened with Georgia and how they got here, including winning the SEC championship. Let's do all of that right now. A Kroger Fresh Take with Connor Riley here on Dog Nation Daily Today. From 
from Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. It's time for our Kroger Fresh Take with Connor Riley here on Dog Nation Daily. We're, of course, pre-recorded, but we're reacting to what's going to happen at the end of this month when Georgia takes on Ohio State in the college football playoff as Georgia continues on its push to go for two and 22. And, Connor, the thing I've been kind of saying here a little bit is, and I'm going to speak from the perspective of a fan as a moment, when Tennessee beat Alabama, I wasn't happy that that happened, but I was immediately excited because I knew what that meant in Sanford Stadium coming up in a few weeks, the biggest game in the building's history, and it really kind of played out that way, that there was an energy created by that matchup that was pretty attractive for me. And I think there is something to be said for Georgia-Ohio State that's kind of the same way, whereas, hey, Georgia has the number one seed. Maybe you can make a case they should be playing TCU in the spot in Mercedes-Benz Stadium on December 31st. And obviously that would, at least on me, to me on paper, appear to be a little bit of an easier path to national championship game. But it is nowhere near as exciting that there is an element of playing Ohio State, and I respect Ohio State. I think Ohio State's a pretty good team. I don't believe they're as good as some people think they are, but I do believe they are a pretty good team. And yet the chance to play this team, the chance to have this marquee matchup in Atlanta is really very exciting to me. How do you think fans should view this right now? I think Georgia fans should be really excited. For one, uh, with how they played in Mercedes-Benz Stadium this year, it sounds like they're going to get an actual night home game. Uh, something they didn't get in Sanford Stadium this year is that it's going to be an 8 o'clock kickoff on New Year's Eve. It might foil some people's plans, but I, I think it'll be a fun game to watch. Uh, you know, the old saying is styles makes fights, and on one side you have a very physical, very tough Georgia team that when it plays against elite competition, they tend to put up a lot of points, 43.8 points per game against ranked teams in the college football playoff 25 as we see those final rankings come out right now. And on the other side, you've got an Ohio State team that, yes, they can throw the ball around well when there's not a lot of pressure and when conditions are good and this game will be played inside a dome. But there's a lot of questions about how tough this Ohio State team is. They spent all year talking about how they need to get tougher and more physical for that game against Michigan, and they lose at home by 22. And now, four weeks from today, or when we're recording this essentially, four weeks from this weekend, they have to go and play the toughest and most physical team in the country in yeah. Georgia. And so I think it's going to be really interesting. I think you're right in saying that, you know, between Ohio State and TCU, Ohio State is the more talented team. But this is not an Ohio State team without flaws. And I think Georgia, while they didn't play great defensively on Saturday, I think it's set up to exploit some of those flaws. I'm going to do a lot of this on tomorrow's show because I think it's an important topic. And I don't believe that a lot of our audience is fully acquainted with it. I think a lot of people – think about Ohio State in the way that I referenced the moment ago. They were preseason number two. They were one of the darlings of the offseason. They are literally always among the darlings of the offseason, even though they've not won a national championship since, what, 2002? And they've only won one, no, two games uh, in the college football playoff, right? So uh, uh, you know, I guess they uh, won back in 2014. But the, the point is is that um, you know this is a team that's kind of the darling of the offseason every, sing- every single year, but – in Columbus, around the Ohio State program, I think they've actually faced a little more skepticism from their own people and from people kind of in those Big Ten circles than you might realize because of the way they did get beat by Michigan in 2021. The fact they spent an entire year circling that game as a way of showing how much better they had gotten. That's why Jim Knowles was brought in as defensive coordinator. They also wanted to kind of toughen up there along the offensive line. And what we all saw their own eyes a couple of weeks ago, they just failed in doing so. It was one seat, one game season test for them against Michigan, and they just simply did not pass. And all of a sudden, now to be kind of be asked to be back in a similar situation against Georgia, 
you know, I think for the average Georgia fan, they may not quite realize how much pressure Ohio State brings with it into a game like this based on how Brian Day is perceived. Clearly, they're great when it comes to scoring points and things like that, but it kind of leads them to be described sometimes within those Big Ten circles as kind of a finesse football team. Right, and, and you know, the concern that you have about Ohio State and Ryan Day is, oh, how, how physical are they? How tough are they? How do they handle you know teams that obviously have talent? Because let's be, let's be honest here. I, I do not think the Big Ten as a whole was a very good league this year. Uh, only three teams ranked in the final uh, top 25 college football playoff rankings. And you're just beating up on, quite frankly, a bunch of tomato cans. And now you have to come in here and play a Georgia team that is well-tested, that has beaten five college football playoff teams in the top 10, or in the top 25, rather. And you look at Tennessee, they they set up to me a lot like how Ohio State did. Uh, you know, I think Jalen Hyatt is every bit as good as Marvin Harrison Jr. Hendon Hooker went healthy. I, quite frankly, think is better than C.J. Stroud. And while, yes, the home atmosphere that Georgia played in Sanford Stadium that day absolutely played a part in it, Georgia just kind of went out there and punked Tennessee, and I kind of think you're going to see something similar against Ohio State. Look, the Buckeyes are going to be up for this game, but as you point out, they had a one-game season against Michigan their whole season, their whole year, and it's like that every year. But this year in particular, coming off a loss, was geared to that Michigan game. It was at home, and they got run out of the building in the second half, getting outscored 28-3. to And so if something like that happens again, or we see a, a sort of repeat of the Tennessee game from Georgia's standpoint, Man, you're going to have to ask a lot of hard questions about Ryan Day. He's obviously a great coach. They've won a lot of games. But for Ohio State, if they don't answer the bell in this game, it could get ugly because we've talked about this before, you know, questions about how motivated this Georgia team is always. I think you saw a little bit of that in the second half of the SEC championship game once they knew that LSU was down. They weren't going to come back and didn't play their best effort in the second half there. You're going to have a locked-in Georgia team against this Ohio State team. You know, this team is eager to play, improve against the best teams in the country. It was the case against Tennessee at the start of the season. I think you're going to see that again against Ohio State on December 31st. It's our Kroger Fresh Take with Connor Riley here on Dog Nation Daily here today. And by the way, our friends at Kroger this month got a great thing for you. We tell you about Kroger Chef Jr. As we're obviously getting ready for the college football playoff, we're also thinking about that Christmas season, that holiday time of year. And Kroger understands that for you, a lot of that's spending quality time with your family. And if you've got children, they'll love Kroger Chef Jr. It's a guided kids cooking experience. It comes up this Saturday. It's December 10th. And the menu item that you get a chance to make this month, as you might imagine, is holiday themed. It's those uh, holiday brownies. So it's just $7 per child. And in addition to being a part of this cooking experience, learning how to do it, your kids also get some paraphernalia, like a chef's hat, some apron and patch, and you know some of those things that kind of also go along with this to make it really fun. So Kroger Chef Jr. is the website. You spelled out J-U-N-I-O-R, KrogerChefJr.com. It's just $7 per child. You can be a part of a really fun, guided kids' cooking experience, making a great holiday-themed item, and getting some really cool kitchen stuff to go along with that, too. So KrogerChefJr.com for a lot more on that. Connor, how about the process by which we got here? I'm, I love talking about the college football playoff. Not everybody does, but I, I really do enjoy this. Do you think the committee got it right with the four teams that are in, and do you think the committee got it right with how those four teams were seeded? I do. I think you TCU in this circumstance absolutely should have been in the playoff. I think the fact that so many people – we're, we're making a case for Alabama is a little bit perplexing to me. If, if Alabama wants to stomp its feet and try and say, hey, we should be in the college football playoff because point score or, uh, you know, point spreads in Vegas and, uh, you know, who would be an underdog when they play them and how those, like, the games have to matter. And, and TCU totally. went 12-0 and in the regular season and came very close to going 13-0. and 
If you're a Georgia fan, I think you maybe squabble a little bit and make the biased case to move Ohio State up to number three. But Ohio State's loss is significantly worse than TCU's. I think TCU has a comparable resume to that of Ohio State. And I think it matters that TCU went unbeaten in what I think is a better conference in the regular season than what Ohio State did. I think they absolutely got the top four teams right in a year where there probably weren't four teams worthy of a college football playoff berth. But I also do think they probably got the seating right, even if I do think it maybe disadvantages Georgia a little bit in terms of who they ended up playing in, the, in their first playoff game. Can you make a case that if you respect Ohio State as an opponent, and it sounds like, by the way, that you're pretty skeptical of this team, but let's just say the kind of common opinion, hey, Ohio State's a good team, tough matchup, that if you had your choice of playing them in Atlanta in a semifinal game or in L.A. in a national title game, that actually it actually maybe works out better for Georgia to get this game in its home state? Yeah, because I do think, you know, let, let's flip the page here. Let's say that Michigan and Ohio State is the semifinal out in Glendale. Let's say Ohio State finds a way to win that game. I think they're going to be a lot more confident entering that national championship game than they will be going into this game against Georgia. They have some very serious questions to answer about this program as a whole in terms of where they are entering this college football playoff. Now, you can point out and say that that was sort of the same area that Georgia was in a season ago. But I think this Georgia team have proven, quite frankly, a lot more in the regular season than what that Ohio State team had. So you've got a, a, an Ohio State team that in some ways is going to be questioning itself, and this is not a Georgia team that you're probably going to find your feet against. You have to know who you are, go out there and execute your game plan. And this is a Georgia team that, again, you know, they played 13 games this season. They've beaten five teams ranked in the top 25 of the college football playoff rankings. They have played one one-score game all season. I know it hasn't always been pretty, as Kirby Smart outlined in his press conference on Saturday, but this is a team that when they need to, their A game is very capable of showing up, and Georgia's A game is absolutely better than anyone else's in the country. No, I think that's a, a pretty interesting point of view to express. They were talking to Connor Riley here as a part of our uh, Kroger Fresh Take here today, and you mentioned the Alabama part of this a moment ago, and I'll, I'll be frank with you. I don't mind Alabama arguing its case. I really don't. I think if you don't argue your own case, who's going to argue it for you? So Nick Saban politicking and things like that, even though that's a little bit conduct unbecoming, I, I sort of don't mind them do it. But I guess for me, the thing here that makes Saban seem so diminished right now is how weak the argument is and how, I mean, some people kind of point out the inconsistency of, I think at one point in time, he kind of downgraded George and his coaches poll vote in 2018 because they had lost twice. And all of a sudden now he's asking for his team to be, you know, considered uh, a little bit differently. Now they've lost twice. That's just human nature. I think that's kind of the way that people typically do. But Connor, what's really shocking here and what kind of makes Alabama sort of seem like a declining empire is the fact in the attempt to argue for them in the college football playoff, there is so little just to justify that point of view that Saban's like grasping at straws at point spreads and the fact that they beat Austin P and Auburn down the stretch. It's really amazing to think about how weak the argument for Alabama really was because I don't know of really anybody in the media who was buying it really at all, including Paul Feinbaum, who Saban typically folds up and puts in his pocket. Even he you know, wasn't really buying this argument right now. I think that's maybe the most glaring part of all of this. Yeah, if, if Alabama's going to get into this playoff, it was because they have an a, a scripted A on the side of their helmet. Uh, this team played five one-score games this season. Their best win is a one-point win over Texas, who, by the way, TCU beat in much more convincing fashion when those two teams met. They just have two wins over top 25 teams in the college football playoff rankings. And it's an Alabama team that didn't play up to the Alabama standard. And I get that you lost on the last play of the game, but B.A., you're a smart football mind. When you play a lot of one-score games, 
you're not going to go and win all of them. Odds yep. are you win about 50% of your yep. one-score games. Alabama went 3-2 and two of those this game this year. And, and quite frankly, you look at the way the Ole Miss game played out, you look at the way the Texas A&M game played out, those could have potentially been losses for Alabama as well those days. So I, I think, you know, a 10-2 and two team, it, Alabama is still good. Yeah, they're still talented. But there was something very clearly missing from this Alabama team this year that prevented them from going out there and executing, not just in close to late game situations, but so that they're not even in those situations in the first place. 17 penalties against Tennessee, uh, you know, giving up 95 rushing yards to Jaden Daniels of, of LSU and making that a close game late. You know, Alabama had a chance to win both of those games and found ways to lose them. And the fact that if Alabama consistently put themselves in those situations against Ole Miss as well, I think just speaks to just how uninspiring this Alabama team was, and they may feel the need to make a case. But I choose to believe that they had no real case, and the only reason they finished number five is because Hennon Hooker ended up tearing his ACL, and if he were healthy, Tennessee would be ranked ahead of Alabama in terms of where it is right now. We're going to have several weeks to talk about this, so please feel free to make this short. Simple question, simple answer. Look at the other playoff game for a moment. Do you see TCU with a path to beat Michigan, and do you think this Michigan team right now is better than it was a year ago? I definitely think Michigan is better than they were a year ago. I wonder how much uh, Donovan Edwards will be able to handle, hang, uh, to be able to physically hang up against TCU and potentially Georgia in back-to-back games. I do think TCU can win this game. They're a scrappy team. Max Duggan is an awesome player, and I think they've got enough explosive players on the outside to really take advantage of TC, uh, Michigan in some areas. And this this TCU team, in my opinion, is a lot tougher than the Ohio State team you've seen play Michigan this year. And so I do think TCU has a pass. I think Michigan is favored. I think Michigan should win this game. And I do think that this is a better Michigan team than what we saw last year in the college football playoff, losing to Georgia in the Orange Bowl. We're going to come back and hear from you again on our show on Thursday. And at that time, as someone who has picked Georgia to win the national championship the entirety of the season, there's a question I want to ask you about that after 13 games that I do think will be interesting for our audience. We'll come back and do that again on Thursday. Connor, thanks for being with us here on our Kroger Fresh Take on Dog Nation Daily here today. Yep. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Great to catch up with Connor Riley right there, and great to transition now to cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Of course, by now you know I'm going to be on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship here this week. A little short getaway on board Wonder of the Sea, special promotional invitation that I received from Royal Caribbean to be a part of that. Can't wait to come back and tell you more about it and hopefully get you on board Wonder of the Seas here very soon. And, of course, for whatever Royal, Royal Caribbean cruise vacation needs you might have, our friend Jessica Slater can help you out with all of that. She's put a special website together for our Dog Nation cruise coming up in April. It's royaldogs.com. That is royaldogs.com. And you can also give her a call as well, 770-718-9147. 770-718-9147. So if you want to talk about Wonder of the Seas, the ship I'm about to be on, largest in the world, or if you want to talk about Independence of the Seas, the ship will all be on coming up in April, or the video that you're watching, if you're watching on video, Icon of the Seas, which debuts in January of 2024. All of that, our friend Jessica Slater can tell you all about it. So royaldogs.com for more on that. All right, let's go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. We talked a little bit yesterday about the college football playoff games. Obviously, Georgia is in that. You look across the other way, you see Michigan and TCU. But how about those New Year's Six games here for a moment? Let's preview some of that here right now. Um, let's start with Rose Bowl, which is Utah and Penn State. Now, there's a, a couple of interesting dynamics going on here with this, is that you had a couple of teams that maybe thought they had a chance at the Rose Bowl that didn't quite make it, for instance. You look at the way that Washington finished the season, playing very, very well down the stretch. And obviously, you know, uh, ultimately when Utah wins the Pac-12, 
knocking USC out of the uh, playoff. Uh, that kind of closed the door on Washington also getting a chance maybe to go to the Rose Bowl. Uh, and that also now pushes USC to the Cotton Bowl. So no disrespect to the Cotton Bowl, but instead of playing, you know, and we saw a really good matchup between Penn State and USC in the Rose Bowl a couple of years ago. So instead of playing that kind of marquee-style game, uh, you instead go to the Cotton Bowl to play, which is a little bit of a faceless two-lane team. You know, this is not one of the more interesting groups of, group of five teams to make the New Year's Six Bowl. So... The Utah win kind of sends all of the New Year's Six part of this into a little bit of chaos because you had some Pac-12 teams disappointed, and you have you know a team like USC with a much downgraded experience with what it you know could have been for them. You know you don't get the Rose Bowl as, as Pac-12 champ because you're not, and you're also out of the college football playoff there as well. The Penn State part of this on the other side I also find to be really interesting because Penn State's probably a little bit like Georgia was in 2011 in that they have beaten all the teams on their schedule they were supposed to. But the two big moments to step up against both Michigan and Ohio State, they played terribly in both those games. Certainly against Michigan, they played horribly that day. And you're left to conclude, well, how good is how good is Penn State really? I suspect they're probably pretty good, but we may never truly know because by the time you get to bowl season, we know it's a completely different animal than what the regular season was. But this Penn State was a very weird – this team was a very weird team this year. I actually expect them to do well against Michigan when the game was played. That was a pick that I really liked, and unfortunately, they didn't back me in that spot at all. So when you see the dominant performance against bad teams and essentially being dominated against good teams, you're left to wonder, well, how good was James Franklin's team really? And by the way, how real was it that someone like James Franklin would have considered leaving Penn State this season? You know, he was a small rumor to take, to take the Auburn job, as a, for instance. How real was any of that as well? Can I see the rest of these New Year Sixes here for a moment? Here's a game I think it's worth your time. I'll come back to Alabama in a moment. The Orange Bowl between Clemson and Tennessee could be really pretty fun. And even though both these teams are going to look pretty different than they have for most of the season, I mean, Tennessee's got a little bit of a changeover in the coaching staff, offensive coordinator going to become uh, a head coach. There was a little bit of a dust-up here in the last week or so with Dabo Swinney having to backtrack with some things that he said about Tennessee. If you remember getting ready to play South Carolina, Dabo kind of said something about Tennessee that was sort of taken as he's kind of making fun of Tennessee because Tennessee thought it was going to coast its way into the playoff, having not won the SEC East. And he said something to the effect of, you know, you're flipping burgers on conference championship Saturday, think you're going to be in the playoff, and then lo and behold, you're not. Something to that effect. And I don't know what he really meant you know, by it necessarily. I think he was more just kind of shooting from the hip a bit. But now that he's actually playing Tennessee, those words are likely to be revisited. My guess is last week, Dabo Swinney probably had an indication that this could be a possibility for his team matching up against the Vols in a bowl game because he'd already started trying to backtrack on this, trying to suggest that he didn't really mean anything negative about the Vols. But for, you know, listen, you got to do everything you, you can to make some of these bowl games kind of interesting. That'll probably be dragged into this discussion here a bit. And I think the Tennessee and uh, Clemson, uh, two ugly orange teams, but probably a pretty uh, a good football game here for the bowl game. And then you got Alabama against Kansas State in the Sugar Bowl. Here's all I'm going to tell you about this. I have no idea what, what to expect from this game really whatsoever. But I do think this is that one of the cool things about the SEC is is that your consolation prize for what for teams like Georgia and Alabama that would define as a bad season, not making the playoff. The fact that that means spending what New Year's Eve uh, in. Uh, in new orleans for the for the game typically on new year's day for the sugar bowl i gotta tell you the sugar bowl does a great job it's a really fun bowl game to go to and obviously when george was there in 2018 2019 you would have rather been the college football playoff and uh alabama being there 
uh, right now, they would obviously rather be in the college football playoff. But at some point in time, again, Georgia's likely to miss the CFP. When they do, if their consolation prize is New Orleans at the Sugar Bowl, I'm not working for that committee. That's not my job to do that. I'm just telling you, they do a great job. That is a classy bowl. New Orleans is a lot of fun that time of year. And so if you ever get a chance to go to the Sugar Bowl, whether it be a college football playoff or not, I think you probably should because I really, really enjoy myself for that. And we will make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And as we head towards the game for Georgia, which is not a consolation bowl this year, it is the college football playoff. One of the things we're watching closely is what's going on on the injury front. And that involves Diane McConkey at wide receiver or Warren McClendon, the offensive lineman. And it may be a little while before we find that out. But don't forget, before each and every Georgia game, we do our Kroger kickoff, our injury report brought to you by our friends at the Durham Law Group. And obviously, Georgia's football injuries are important to you. But what's even more important to you is your own injury situation. So if you've been hurt on the job or injured in an accident and someone's done you wrong and caused that to happen to you, then you want to be made right again. You want to be made whole again. And that's where our friends at the Durham Law Group can help you. Because they don't just practice personal injury law, they define it. That means no fees and no expenses unless you win. So my invitation to you is to reach out to them right now, 844-4GA-HERT. That's the phone number, 844-4GA-HERT. You can also visit them online at georgiahurt.com. The word Georgia all spelled out, georgiahurt.com for a lot more on that. All right, as we say goodbye to you here today, we might can bring that music down again. Um, appreciate that. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll get ready to give you some golden shoes here on the way out the door today. Obviously, a lot of folks still basking in the glory of go for two and 22 and the fun from the SEC championship, including William Hurley, who shares this. Uh, he says the only thing better than winning the SEC was getting a chance to meet the great Traley Hale. And he calls her a warrior. And no doubt she is the mother of Keely Ringo and someone who's been so inspiring to so many of us with the way she's battled cancer. She's always dressed so really cool for every one of these games. The bright red hair, the uh, fun was it, red and black overalls with the uh, Ringo jersey. She's always got a flair for style. And that's kind of a cool thing to see. So, William, I appreciate you sharing that. Also, our buddy Miriam Corbin giving you the go for two and 22. Also remind you, as she says, Georgia hung 50 on uh, LSU, which is a fun thing, uh, too. So Miriam will give you a golden shoe for that there as well. And keeping the go for two and 22 theme alive, uh, Kenny Zacker gives you that, plus Stetson for Heisman there as well. Uh, good stuff there, Kenny. And, yeah, we're certainly uh, happy about Stetson Bennett and the season that he's put together and go for two and 22 indeed. And, by the way, all of this Rolling through the rest of this season, and you start thinking about next season and 328 days from right now. George back in Jacksonville, beating up on Florida again. That is our Gatorator countdown. Lousy, stinking Gators. Got some bad days ahead of them. But for Georgia, it is all sunshine. And we'll see you tomorrow right here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia.